On this episode, I interview coaching expert and educator Elena Aguilar around the changes that she has seen the COVID-19 pandemic making in education and in coaching. We talk about the changes that she's witnessed and what gifts this time has given us as well. Thank you. And now, Elena. My name is Elena Aguilar, and I am the founder and president of Bright Morning Consulting, which is a small organization that works around the world helping um, organizations that are committed to justice and equity to integrate transformative learning practices. And I'm also the author of a handful of books about coaching and teams and resilience and equity. And in my own district, we actually use many of your texts as training manuals almost. Um, so thank you for joining me. And the first question is how has the pandemic um, impacted your work primarily around coaching? Well, the pandemic has, as we all know and have experienced, created a lot of uncertainty and what if, and I wonder, you know, what will happen when, and all of the anxiety that's come up because of everything that's changed, everything we don't know. And so I would say overall, I've been doing a lot more coaching around emotions and helping people be aware of and process the challenging and strong emotions that they're facing. What impact have you seen it having on the interactions between either leaders and teachers or teachers and others or teachers and students? What impact has the pandemic had? Either that or the emotions that it's suddenly sort of activating in people. Mm -hmm. Well, depending on how much skill people have at being aware that they're experiencing those strong emotions and how much skill that they have in responding to them, there is just a huge range. You know, everything from people feeling like they're having just a much harder time focusing and getting things done and and leaders understanding that because of what we're experiencing right now that's a very common effect side effect i suppose that people are are experiencing is this challenge and sort of focusing getting things done and aside from the life conditions that so many people are in now, meaning that many educators are at home with children or maybe caring for relatives or loved ones. So there's, there's just, um, there's so many ways in which our strong emotions can show up, which we might be clearer about or other people might be clearer about or less clear about. Um, So, you know, the obvious things like more tears uh, leaders getting more text messages and messages and wondering, you know, do you think this will happen? And what about that? And so there's just a whole lot more anxiety. What skills do coaches need now more than ever? Well, they need these skills and how to coach around emotions, which is something that some coaches have some skill in 
But if you are hired as an instructional coach or a data coach or a technology coach or a coach for English learner um, teachers who have a lot of English learners or something, then it's very possible that you don't learn the skills around coaching emotions and that perhaps you don't value or you're in an organization that doesn't value including conversations about emotions. And so that that can be really hard. I know I've been doing a lot of webinars and virtual workshops and things um, related to how to coach emotions because it is all of a sudden coaches are saying every time I'm meeting with a teacher, you know, she's just crying all the time or more distraught than ever or really wondering, like, you know, is she going to have a job next year? And so it's just a, a need that coaches have right now. So since there are so many different types of coaches, what are one or two pieces of advice that you can give for those, those coaches that might be in those districts that don't have the training around emotions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, so one of the simple reminders that I offer people about what it means to coach emotions is um, it, it really is about acknowledging and accepting emotions. And so when we acknowledge them, that means that when we are talking to someone and we hear that within their voice, within their words, below what they're saying is just, for example, anxiety or sadness, we say, we actually insert into the conversation. We say, hey, you know, I just wanna acknowledge I'm hearing a lot of sadness and I'm hearing that from so many people right now. It's really normal, right? So it's acknowledging. And then the normalizing statement is a way of, of inviting acceptance. And normalizing emotions goes a long way. So a lot of times when we experience strong emotions, we have these sort of secondary emotions that come up, which is a response to that first emotion, like, oh, I shouldn't be so anxious, or I shouldn't be so angry, or I shouldn't be so sad, or other people are going through much harder things than I am. And so we make the, we sort of make it worse for ourselves. And when somebody normalizes that initial emotion and says, it's really common to be feeling a lot of grief right now. And anger can be a part of grief and denial can be a part of grief. And, you know, and that's just, it's really normal. And then maybe, do you want to share any more about what's coming up for you right now? That's the basics about how we coach emotion. That was really interesting that you mentioned grief because as we started with the, the pandemic and the quarantine, I started to recognize that people's responses on social media were changing. And when I myself looked at the stages of grief, I said the same thing. I recognized that the people were grieving and that, um, that was eye-opening for a lot of people that either weren't a coach or were suddenly in sort of coaching roles that like team leaders or content chairs who were suddenly having this role world set upon them um and the normalizing is very interesting as well mm -hmm. yeah so has there been any gifts that this time has brought 
to either yourself or those that you're working with? I think there's always gifts. Um, I am a realistic optimist. And so there's a, <laughs> that means that I see possibilities and opportunities while also seeing and acknowledging the, the challenges and the loss, but the gifts have included the opportunity to, in some ways, to slow down and have conversations about things that really matter. I think people have been pushed to prioritize what matters most. It doesn't necessarily mean they're acting on that, but they are being pushed to prioritize what matters most in some ways. Personally, I have enjoyed being home a lot more and not traveling as much for work or not traveling at all for work, um, which is something that I haven't done for years now in terms of being at home for months at a time. And so I am enjoying being with my husband and son and making meals at home and having more opportunities to walk around my neighborhood since that's the only place I'm really going outside of my house these days. Um, and I think there's, there's an opportunity, I've had an opportunity to think about what do I really, really wanna be doing with my time, with my life. It has been a reminder of my mortality. I mean, like I think it has for many people, like, it's um, a reminder of the preciousness of every day. And so giving me an opportunity to reflect on what do I really want to be writing about, thinking about, doing, that's, a, that's one perhaps gift. And it's made me think about the kind of work I want to be doing with others. I realized a few weeks ago that I want to do, I want to get back to doing more coaching. I love doing coaching. And I've always had clients since I started writing and traveling and working, um, facilitating learning all the time. But I realized a couple of weeks ago, I want to get back to having more, more coaching clients. And I want to do group coaching, which is something I've thought about doing for many years and actually doing really what is more described as life coaching. And I integrate life coaching approaches into the instructional coaching or leadership coaching work that I do. But I really wanted to actually offer people a space to come together and think about their own life's purpose and what they want to be doing and how they want to be engaging and getting the most out of life. And so I'm, in June, I'm starting a group life coaching program that is focused around finding your purpose and thriving. So that's been really exciting. That is, and, and what is interesting is I heard you say that you're giving people space and I'm wondering if the acknowledgement of the emotions that you talked about earlier, if, if that's giving people space as well to just name those emotions that they are suddenly dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that I've been fortunate enough is my district does value emotion and, and does have a lot of supports put in place. Um, but one thing that's been interesting is some, I've seen some teachers suddenly thriving where 
they are unexpectedly thriving. And so it's been interesting to see, as you said, them, them sort of taking the time to step back and analyzing what it is they want and what it is they need. Um, mm-hmm. But as a coach, are there strategies that we should be considering for self-management as we're having these supportive conversations with other people in order to support ourselves? Mm, tell me a little bit more about what you're asking. I'm not sure I'm clear. So t- so coaches that are having these conversations and normalizing emotions for others, mm-hmm. um, sometimes work-life balance can get a little skewed. So our, the coach's own wells of patience of rest might be running a little bit dry. Um, what's something that you would recommend that a coach do in order, sort of like self-management? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so I, yeah, I think about that as those are the strategies that fill our resilience reserves. And in order to effectively coach anyone, you need to be filling your own reserves all the time, really as a, a daily, almost hourly practice. If we're going to be caring for others and listening to others and supporting them on their growth, we actually have to start with ourselves and tending to ourselves and, and filling up our own resilience tanks or reserves because otherwise we'll just run out of energy. It takes a lot to support people through challenging moments. And then in addition, so many educators and I'm sure coaches are also, as I said, at home and taking care of other people as well. And so it's, it's really just an imperative that coaches are are filling up their own resilience tanks. And that's what I write about in Onward. And that's what's in the Onward workbook. Um, lots of strategies for coaches to be tending to themselves and starting with cultivating awareness of their own emotions and then accepting their own emotions and acknowledging them and normalizing their own emotions and and everything from you know all of the self-care strategies that you've heard about that we all hear about all the time and 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 more and really i think the key to filling up your resilience reserves is figuring out what is it that really works for you because for some people putting on music and dancing around is going to do a lot for their resilience and for other people it's going to be sitting outside in the sun for 15 minutes or um, getting on the phone, not Zoom, but getting on the phone and talking to a good friend for 15 minutes. So everybody um, can benefit from lots of resilient strategies equally. And then many of us also can figure out what works exactly for us, what works really well. So almost personalizing for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved how you talked about in your introduction, um, your focus on equity, um, because I know that that has been something that there have been conversations around how suddenly this all happened in technology and, and equal access to teachers in terms of, do the students have the technology or the internet or the Wi-Fi? Um, what what are teachers or what do you think educators 
should be considering when they are thinking through the lens of equity, given the changes that have been happening? Oh, I think there's so much to consider. I mean, first, there's basic knowledge that I think we need to have. There's the information we need to be aware of. So we need to know how the pandemic is impacting communities differently, how communities that have been historically marginalized and black and brown communities are being much more severely, devastatingly impacted. We need to apply an awareness of how this pandemic is affecting the group of people that are called essential workers, right? Like who is most at risk in this pandemic? Who are the people who don't have a choice but to have to go back to work or who are being made to go back to work? And, and so I think we need to start with just the knowledge and the awareness of how people are being affected in general, because many of those people are our students or the parents of our students. And so to have greater understanding of if we have a student in our class whose mother works in a grocery store and that mother is going off to work every day because she has to, to survive, that child is going to have even more anxiety than the child whose parents are able to be working from home. And so I think when teachers, for example, are noticing perhaps that, you know, maybe this student or that student seems more distracted or isn't turning in their work or doesn't participate in the in the Zoom classroom. I think there's just a need for educators to have that awareness of how how pe how different people are being different communities are being affected by this pandemic. I've heard you say awareness so much during this call and that is something that is such an important skill um that I will say, I cannot recommend your Onward workbook enough. I've had a copy for, I think, two, maybe a year and a half now. So, and I was using that with my staff even before, um, before this, this all happened. And I've definitely relied on some of those activities to bring the awareness um, sort of muscle to my staff. And I, I want to thank you for, for making that connection because making that muscle stronger, I think, will, will make every skill that we have as educators all the more important. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom or any insights that you want to offer before we wrap this oh-so-informative phone call up? I think I would just remind everybody to, to take care of themselves and to really take this opportunity right now to figure out what that means for them, what comes up around self-care. I know that for many educators and leaders, it can be really hard to put themselves first in a way or even right next to whoever is first, whether that's their students or their children or their partners. 
And so I think there's an opportunity to learn about what we individually need and want and to see the connection between our individual needs and our collective health and well-being. And so I would just encourage people to keep exploring that. What is self-care and why is it hard for me to do in normal times? And then is it you know, much harder now or what is that looking like right now? I love how you said putting themselves next to the person that's first mm -hmm. um, because that gives that space for those who are hesitant to be number one to sort of stand next to, to someone else. So that is a great image to end this call with. And I just really want to thank you for taking the time. Um, I am going to be posting the link to your website in the, um, description of the podcast so that people can can definitely check it out. And thank you so very much for being willing to spend the past 20 minutes with me. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.